Howdy, everyone. My name is Gabriel. And my name is Scotty. And this is Cinema Dive. Here on Cinema Dive, we will be giving you our raw reactions to the movies we see straight from the theater to the studio. We'll talk about movie news and then introduce to you some of the other stuff we have planned for our show today. Tonight, uh, we just saw Captain America Civil War. It is uh, the 13th Marvel Studios film, uh, and we want to talk about our raw reactions. Having just seen the movie, I believe uh, you know, we have not read anything, seen anything. We've just thought things, uh, and we have not discussed it before this moment. Well, confession, I'll, I'll go ahead and say confession right now, is that I actually have seen a few reviews of this. Ooh. Only only in preparation uh, to actually have a little bit more to say about it. Because, you know, while we're going to be having these raw reactions that we did have, um, there are things that I did want to d- discuss and just go, hey, did did this really happen in the movie? Did What all the others, other critics are saying, uh, did that actually occur was it that bad or was it that good um well that makes sense actually coming off of batman versus superman where i think myself and the critics uh differed on several points uh that it does help to have kind of an idea of the criticisms to have a retort to say that uh this did or did not happen right right so Let's go ahead and just get into it then uh, with our review. Uh, so what what did you think about it? What was your first reactions to this? Let's try to get not into non-spoiler territory, but sure. uh, territory, territory. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I thought it was a lot of fun, you know, and my the best way that I can explain it is to say that if I worked on this movie, you know, if I had a job in the movie industry and I did something for this film that I would be proud of it. You know, that if I were able to tell my family members, hey, do you know what I worked on? You know, now that it's released, I'd be able to talk about it. And I would say Captain America Civil War and you should go see it. Right. Right. So, okay, so let's let's get in a little more without without spoiling anything. Um, What was like what is a character that really stood out to you? Hmm. Like maybe it wasn't Steve. Maybe it wasn't uh, Iron Man. Whoa, who who really stood out to you in this movie? That is a. I would like to say that the the Black Panther I was not really interested in before the movie started, and I'm not sure that I would still buy into seeing a whole movie about him. Uh, but I think that Chadwick Boseman really sold it for me. He made me care about a character that I think I actively disliked. Uh, because <laughs> seeing the previews, it was like, oh, it would be kind of like Batman, except without, you know, the the bats. Like he doesn't he doesn't fly or have a plane. You know, he just has claws. And but I think they really pushed everything they could do with those claws. Uh, but they really made him a character uh, whose motivations I understood. Uh, as and I think that. Uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, I think he did a great job because I really appreciated about this, the latter two Iron Man movies, um, really explored the, the darker parts of, uh, Tony's character. And this movie is, uh, I don't want to say more of the same because it's exploring it in a different way. 
you know, because he feels uh, things very deeply. And we saw in, uh, in Iron Man 3 him having those panic attacks, uh, which I think really humanized his character for me. That uh, watching this movie, seeing how deeply every scene affected him. Um, I think Robert Downey Jr. did a great job. And so, you know, there's a scene where he's kind of explaining uh, how he feels about something. And he's just, you know, raw emotion, sort of off the cuff, uh, that uh, I felt like was one of the more believable lines that he's delivered. Any, any particular thing that really just stood out to you outside of outside of the Black Panther? Well, I would say um, I enjoyed how small the movie was. And I mean that to say that from the previews or even just knowing the synopsis, the idea behind the movie is that you're having superheroes fight each other. You right. know, it has right, the right. tendency to think that it might become uh, overcrowded, um, which I which I would understand if they made a movie like that. But I did not feel that way. It ended up being very character driven, you know, and so every everyone is having to make the same decision. They're having to decide one way or the other. And, um, and that's basically the development for every, uh, character. Uh, and so there were lots of ways that they could have done it to, you know, introduce, uh, all sorts of things. Just if what they wanted was an all out, you know, character brawl. Uh, but what they did instead, uh, was they really made, a hmm. well there was a question basically going around when this movie was announced why it wasn't avengers civil war you know why did they title it captain america yeah that was my that was that's what i had originally thought it was going to be mm -hmm. uh but i think of course now having seen it i completely understand why it was a captain america movie i mean it was a it was a fitting sequel for uh, captain america winter soldier and I think I appreciated this movie more than I would have an Avengers Civil War team-up style film. Right, right. So, uh, and Gabriel, I'd like to ask you the same questions. You know, what was it that stood out to you? Ah, oh, man, that's such a such a big question. There's so much going on in this movie. Mm -hmm. So much stuff going on in this movie. Um, man, I I really enjoyed. Uh, I think the Black Panther was was phenomenal. Just to see his role in the whole thing, and he had a, he had stakes in it too. Like he had a very vested interest in in being in the entire movie. Like there was something that he had to do. He wasn't just brought in for fan service, right? Uh, he wasn't just brought in for fan service. Uh, where I feel feel some other characters really were just brought in for fan service. Uh, but he really had a a mission in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't just a, a throwaway character that, that may sound, sound kind of harsh, but he wasn't a throwaway character. Um, man, this movie, I, it would kept me on my toes the mm -hmm. entire time. If we can get more back into just kind of like, just talking about an overall, overall idea of it. I thought I had an idea of what this movie was going to be. And I can't tell you that what it was now because my, my mind has been completely changed uh, yeah, since then. Very different. Um, but man, uh, every turn, every turn, I was just completely surprised 
uh, by what I was seeing. It's mm-hmm. like, man, this is not this is not what I had imagined, not what I envisioned, and it was it was good. It lived up to the hype. Um, I would definitely. Um, I definitely recommend it for for anybody, and I think it's a movie too that for somebody who hasn't seen every other Captain America movie could really go and go and see it and not be completely lost. Right. Well, and I think you brought up an interesting point because there's a trend these days where watching the trailer for a movie tells you too much, uh, and I think definitely uh, for uh, several movies that's the case you know they show the best parts in the previews and so you go see the movie and you're not surprised you go see the movie and <laughs> right it's not funny because you've heard all the jokes right? right right and so they basically the trailer ends up being a highlight reel that comes out before the movie yeah. but i would say that this is one of the most um this is one of the best trailer to movie experiences that i've had yes because i think that the trailer is uh, in a positive way. I think it's downright misleading. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah is, it could be, yeah. There's a sense in which uh, whoever edited the clips from the movie in order to create this trailer was uh, trying to get me interested in the movie, letting me know very little about what happens. Okay, well, if we had to rate this movie, I know we've talked a little bit about it. We're just kind of giving you our raw reactions once again while we're coming straight from the theater to to our studio and we're recording this. But if you had to give a one out of five or one out of ten, what would you what would you give what would you rank this movie? I think I like the ten scale better simply because it gives me a few more options. Because <laughs> I would be tempted to say that it was a five on a, a scale of one to five. But with a 10 scale, I can be a little bit more skeptical and say maybe uh, maybe a 9. I think it is up there. You know, in, in the Marvel movies for me, mm-hmm. I would say that uh, Captain America Winter Soldier is one of my favorites. I would say that uh, Ant-Man, surprisingly, what is one of my favorites. And I would say that this movie is right up there with those two. Uh, you know, and it's hard uh, to play favorites because they're all so different but in this case uh, I think that it was very good and I will say that uh, again these are our raw reactions so uh, in two days time I might find a huge plot hole Uh, but (laughs) as much as I have tried uh, to work my way through and uh, say that I like this movie Uh, you know we're already uh, I am already discussing seeing it a, another time because I think that, and I, I rarely see movies again, uh, simply because so much, uh, happened in a positive way that I haven't seen a Marvel movie multiple times in theaters, you know, since Thor probably. Mm-hmm. And I, but I do plan to go see this one again. All right. All right. Good. So yeah, if I had to do, if I had to do a one out of ten scale, I would say, I would say a nine too. I would give this a nine. Um, it's it's there. We'll get into it in a minute, but there are definitely some things that I had questions about, uh, for sure. Um, but overall, we're we're gonna we're gonna do this other rating system as well. 
where we either we either say a movie uh, either it's sunk or it's holding water or it's airtight. Mm-hmm. And this def this movie definitely is is borderline airtight, but there there's there's a couple a couple of holes to be a, plugged. There's a couple of holes to be plugged for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, no movies right ever going to be perfect, but. Right. Um, but definitely, definitely holds water for sure mm-hmm. for me. And introducing this uh, this rating system, since we're Cinema Dive, we wanted to have a, a rating system based on water. Uh, the difficulty is how could we rate Titanic? Uh, because <laughs> clearly uh, it literally sunk. So for us to give it any other rating would just be uh, ridiculous. Yes, ridiculous. Um but hey, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, our next our next topic, and we're gonna just go ahead and we're gonna take a break from reviewing, uh, and we're gonna get into some movie news real quick. And there's just really three things that I kind of want to talk about. Uh, one is kind of old news. Uh, two more recent. Uh, we'll start with the old one, Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven. Right. Yeah. Maleficent. Uh... Maleficent Seven. <laughs> uh, they. Magnificent Seven is a remake, and strangely enough, uh, last year, uh, Quentin Tarantino made The Hateful Eight, which is, uh, the the title is a, a cl- like clever ripoff of The Magnificent Seven, and Adam Sandler made The Ridiculous <laughs> Six. Yes, The Ridiculous Six. So now, finally, we're going to get a new Magnificent Seven to fit right in the middle. I actually did not see either of those movies, but... Uh, I, saw, I saw Ridiculous Six, and... Let's, I had to turn it off. Ah. I, ha- I had to turn it off. It was it was really that ridiculous. Ah, um, I see. <laughs> but, well, uh, but Magnificent Seven, uh, I guess both Adam Sandler and Quentin Tarantino found out Magnificent Seven was coming out, and they thought, you know what? Uh, it's Production time is going to take a while, so we are going to make another version or make something uh, whose title plays off of it. Uh, in the time it takes before they can release this one. Yeah, it's always so funny how that kind of stuff happens, isn't it? That like one movie will be coming out and something odd, like oddly similar mm-hmm. will come out. Well, they've got moles, you know? They've got people working in each other's studios. That, For sure, uh, yeah. I'm sure send out little texts <laughs> and say, hey, did you know You know what they're working on? There was that There was the, that movie of several years ago where it was like two magician movies were out at the same time. It was the one, one of them was The Prestige, and the illusionist. And the illusionist. And yes. I was like, when they first, when those movies first came out, I was like, this is silly. Mm-hmm. Like, like really Hollywood. Like, mm-hmm. and then they're completely two different movies. Like, right. outrageously two different movies. But, um, but no. So Magnificent Seven is coming out. Uh, Chris Pratt, Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks, it looks cool. It does. It I looks- watched the preview. Uh, I'm have not seen the original. Uh, I think I like westerns in general, but the ones that I've seen are few and far between. You know, no one's really making westerns, uh, so yeah, I'm either watching something where the production value is not very good because of the time it was made, uh, or uh, you know something along those lines. But I like the idea of a western, and I love Chris Pratt, so I think that this is a winning combination. Yeah, for sure. And like people said, Vincent D'Onofrio's in this movie. Really? He's the guy that played the kingpin, right? Mm-hmm. Did you notice him anywhere in that trailer? I did not notice him yeah, anywhere. He looked he did not look like himself, mm-hmm. right? Cuz I'm I see this guy as, you know, most recently the guy Tough from guy. 
tough guy recently from like Jurassic World mm-hmm. and Daredevil on TV. Um, but but no, like he's in that trailer, and I I've seen that trailer a few times, and somebody's like, oh, Vincent D'Onofrio's in this movie, like. No, what? That's, no, that's I don't so think strange. I don't think that's him. He's not one of the seven. Right? <laughs> I think he is. What? We'll have to go huh. look at this. But if interesting, yeah. Anyways, um, next time we talk about a movie trailer, we'll we'll have it playing so that we can uh, give you a play by play. How's that? Right. Well, let's go on. Let's move on. Uh, Power Rangers. Hmm. Uh, where do where do people stand on this? It's like okay, because I'll be I'll be honest. I watched the Power Rangers probably up until I was like 13 years old. Mm, yes. uh, like if you had asked me about it in in junior high, I would have lied to you to your face and said, oh, Power Rangers are stupid, you Correct. know. Um, yes. But no, I, I definitely I definitely like wanted to be a Power Ranger, definitely wanted a dinosaur. Sure. Um, You'd have to be crazy not to. But what do we what do you think about this? These new costumes. Did you see the new costumes? I saw the new costumes today, and I have to be honest with you, I miss the Argyle, right? <laughs> uh, see, I uh, I love Argyle, and uh, before I met my wife, I used to wear Argyle sweaters and sweater vests, uh, but uh, she put a stop to that. And um, I realized recently that it actually is because I grew up watching Power Rangers, and they had these three diamonds across their chest, and they had diamonds across the cuffs of their gloves and the cuffs of their uh, feet. And, uh, you know, since the Pink Power Ranger, uh, like most people in my, most guys in my generation, uh, the Pink Power Ranger was my first love, my first crush. <laughs> um, and which is strange because uh, most of the time it was actually a Japanese stunt woman, I believe, since they used footage from an earlier show. So, right. I'm guessing that the original show was filmed in the 80s, uh, so we're talking about, at the time I'm watching it, um, I'm, uh, but this is this is what formed my idea of what a man was, you know, I wanted to be Tommy, and um, mostly because he uh, had a romantic relationship with Kimberly, the Pink Ranger, and uh, um, that's what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone else was like, man, I really want the dragon sword. And I was like, man, I really want a girlfriend. I, I want to be the Green Ranger. Uh, but the the new suits kind of do away with that. And honestly, they don't really look like dinosaurs, you know? Yeah, it makes me curious about what that's going to look like as far as like, mm-hmm. are there going to be, uh, what do they call them, Zords? Is, is yes. it Zords? Okay. Um, I'm I'm acting like I don't know. <laughs> um. But no, that okay. So yeah, I mean, there's there's some things that people have been saying about these about these suits. It's like I, you know, like as a person who's watched the Power Rangers, I do kind of miss the classic feel of them. Mm-hmm. There's been what like fifty iterations <laughs> right. of the Power Rangers since the yes, original. So, but like we got like Dino Thunder and Ninja, Poli- Police, Space Police, and Mystic Force. Mystic Force. Those are those are ones. Yeah. Those are real ones. Um, I'm not. Yeah, we're not just throwing out weird names here. Space police could be wrong for all I know. I, I believe it's called SPD. SPD. But it's still the Space Police Department. Okay, so. I I really thought I was making something up, and mm-hmm. then they had Lightspeed Rescue. There was Turbo. Um, I remember Turbo. Yeah, they, their Zords were cars. Isn't that lame? <laughs> we're, we went from dinosaurs to animals to. Now we're down to cars, but the worst one, uh, I remember I wanted a Megazord my entire life 
and my parents eventually did buy me a Megazord, and I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but it was for Power Rangers Zeo, and their Zords at the time were shapes. Legitimately, oh, yeah, their Zords were that. shapes. Yeah. And so each uh, person had, like the yellow one was a, a, a plus sign. And again, <laughs> I know that there are people, you know, in third world countries who never got Megazords, but I do not... Uh, I did not envision myself putting shapes together. I thought it would be dinosaurs or dragons. And, uh, I mean, it still, you know, punched and smashed and did everything I wanted. I guess, like, the first five iterations after the original, it did get quite lame. They went from, like, a like an actual dinosaur to, like, to a dragon to mm. to a car and then they were like themselves at one point. I think like there was like some alien rangers. Do you remember this? Like, uh, it sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. See, I may I may be showing my mm-hmm. showing my nerd Show, side a little yeah. bit too much. You're making me uncomfortable. Right. Um. I'm gonna. But, go, we'll go ahead and move on then. Well, they released <laughs> they released a picture, and I wanna uh, I wanna bring this up real quick of uh, Rita and what she's gonna look like in the movie. Oh yeah. And I found it slightly revealing. Not that not that it was necessarily, you know flaunting uh you know her body in the way that you know an x-men character might but i do uh and i i talked this over with my wife and she completely and utterly disagreed um (laughs) but i did think that there was it was a little more revealing than the bad guy should be for a kids movie not not that i think that they're reaching out to children with the current power rangers movie uh but it did seem uh, to me, to be an odd choice, right? But no, it just didn't look like anything resembling the mm-hmm. original character, and that was the only thing that really stuck out to me. But I mean, this is a new generation. This is what twenty years later, right? I'm not expecting for you know them to to you know do exactly the mm-hmm. same, and obviously they're not. Um, well, and that's what they did with Star Wars. You know, they made a movie to introduce a new generation basically right yeah um you know we get some people talking about how these suits look more like iron man suits than anything else and it's difficult to say that today we have these cgi capabilities that no one's ever had before it's kind of hard to justify making a movie without them and uh, I, I don't think they look that much like Iron Man, but of course, it, everything when it's robotic and futuristic starts to look the same. Yeah, it's it's a stretch for sure to say Iron Man, but although they do have uh, glowing balls in their chest, which, right? This this glowy orb, which is straight out of Iron Man, right? So this next movie news uh, that we're going to do is going to be uh, going to kind of dive into some spoiler territory. So for the next remainder of the show it's just going to be spoilers uh so it'll be news and then we're going to go dive right back into our review kind of get into more nitty-gritty of of the captain america civil war uh spoilers but for the first news story if you haven't seen uh captain america civil war everybody makes it out alive and that's true (laughs) i kind of was not expecting that and uh, not to say that they don't get some, you know, nicks, bruises and and some, you know, relationship changes, but uh, I definitely thought someone was going to die. Right. And so with that being said, the next piece of news is is uh, there there are talks of an Iron Man four. 
I heard about this. Uh, what do you What do you think? Like, is it something? Apparently, RDJ said that he thinks he has one more in him. Yes, uh, those. I think hmm. those were his words. Yes. So, I think that I, unfortunately, I think I would watch it. I think that it would be hard for me to imagine them doing a story that I'm not going to enjoy. Right. Uh, revolving around uh, his character. Uh, hopefully, this would be the end of him, though. I've been watching this guy for eight years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so, at, at some point, I'm thinking he ought to get to a place where he doesn't need to be Iron Man anymore. Right. So, get to some place where the world doesn't need him. Um, so, it's... Uh, and it will depend on the storyline. Uh, Lauren, uh, ever since I told her, uh, my wife Lauren, uh, that in the comic books, Pepper Potts gets her own robot suit. Uh, she becomes a super heroine called Rescue because she does not like weapons, right? So she gets in a robot suit and just rescues people. This is her, that's her deal. And Lauren has wanted to see that and literally tonight, there's a scene where someone gets hurt and they said, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, medical unit is on the way or whatever. And Lauren turned to me in the theater and she was like, they're going to put rescue in it. She's going to come. And, she, and I said, uh, well, I didn't say anything where the movies, but it uh, didn't happen. And I'm hoping it does. I'm hoping that's the plot of the new movie is her becoming a uh, playing a bigger role. Yeah, and so he feels left out. He's, uh, you know, it, for since we're in spoilers now, I can say that their relationship is on the rocks. They're taking some time apart. We don't know why. Uh, most likely it's because they couldn't afford to put her in the movie, you know? <laughs> think about it. You add Gwyneth Paltrow to a movie that's already got everyone in it. Right, yeah. Thinking, I can't imagine what the budget in the movie. Yeah, they were like, uh, uh, they must have told Chris Hemsworth, you know, hey, we want you to sit this out, not because Thor doesn't belong in the story, but because uh, we ran out of money. Yeah, RDJ took all the money. <laughs> right. Right. Um, Nobody's love interest was in this movie. Except Sharon Carter. Oh, that's right. You got to remember that one scene. That was a good scene. Yeah. That was a really funny scene, by the way. Yeah, I think she's such a... Uh, she's a strange character because she gets barely any screen time. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it's nice uh, to see her, though. I hope they do more with her character. Right. Yeah, Iron Man 4. I mean, I, I, I like Robert Downey Jr., so I have no I have no quarrels with the, with an Iron Man 4. I definitely want to see uh, more, because I do... I go back and forth on this all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, I say I like Iron Man 2. I say I don't like Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a really awkward relationship with some of these movies sure i say i don't like iron man 3 i do like iron man 3 right at this moment in time i like iron man 3 and iron man 2 after seeing uh after seeing captain america civil war it makes me appreciate the kind of huge story arc that uh mm-hmm. that tony stark has had yeah it almost seems like i have this criticism in the back of my mind sometimes that tony is just this uh, this character that doesn't change, you know, that he is the same guy that he started out as essentially once he builds the suit, I should say, uh, that his character is basically the same just forever. And he is uh, a little bit more realistic. Uh, he is not the same forever. He is changing. He is, you know, going deeper and deeper into his uh, his 
you know, guilt, his feelings of inadequacy, you know, these very human traits that really sort of redeem him because I don't like Tony Stark necessarily. I mean, is he cool? Yes, he's way cooler than Captain America. If I had to hang out with one of them, like have a conversation or do a podcast, I would much rather be with Robert Downey Jr. Thank you. Uh, having <laughs> uh, Shooting the breeze with him. But when it comes uh, down to it, you know, who do I want to be a superhero? Who do I want my kids to look up to? It, you know, I don't want it to be Tony Stark. Uh, however, I think that when they show how much of a, you know, how much of him is still, uh, you know, just a child lashing out at the world, when they, when he delves down into who he really is, I think that I like what I see there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it makes me, it makes me want to see kind of a more completion ending of, of his, of his character, for sure. But here's the thing, like if they do an Iron Man four. We're getting Robert Downey Jr. for almost four more films because you got to think about it. You have Iron Man 4, if they do it. Right. Spider-Man next year. Oh, yeah. He's going to be in Spider-Man. And then you have the two... Um, Avengers uh, Infinity War. Yeah, so they, supposedly. I heard that they're renaming those, uh, which I appreciate. I hope they're renaming them so that they're not part one and part two. That would be nice. I think the, the one thing that you know, the future generations are going to look back on us and they're going to be like, you really had movies that were part one and part two. <laughs> I think that's going to be, you know, uh, there are, there are other things that I think will be, you know, a national shame, but I really think that our grandkids are going to look back at us and they're going to be like, you had your movies in two parts. How lazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been fine up to this point in the Marvel cinematic universe to not make a part one, part two, uh, of a of a huge story tying together, but this, I mean, if we think about it, there is one big major story going on in the entire cinematic universe, um, Marvel Cinematic Universe. But, but no, like we're gonna get, we're definitely if if this Iron Man four rumor is true, we're getting Robert Downey for four more films. I mean, we're kind of stuck with him for the next, right, for the next right. like years probably. So hmm. <laughs> think think about that. Um, but no, let's let's go ahead and move straight back into the spoilers. Like, I'm gonna ask just two kind of things. Uh, what do we like? What do we dislike? Like, what do you think? Hmm. That is okay. Well, one thing I am really appreciative of. I'm glad they didn't make up. You know, I was really scared it was going to be just like every team up we see in the comic books or in you know cartoons or whatever. Where at the end, uh, they, you know, kiss and make up. And that doesn't happen in this movie. I mean, they, they sort of make up sort of in the, the middle-ish end, you know. This is our first podcast. I haven't thought out how to say these sorts of things yet. But at the, <laughs> at the very end, they're not buddy-buddy again. And I really no, appreciate yeah. that because that's more realistic uh, to me. I think that there's something unique we can gain from from this that from now on movies don't have to do that they can really have this fallout that lasts yeah definitely no i that was that's no that's a really that's a really good point is that there was no like really big cohesive like ending to it there was no like no real big structured end 
mm-hmm. to to what happened this tonight. Man, I, I was I was like I told you guys earlier, I was on my toes the entire time. Like, did you have an idea of what that Zemo guy was doing? At, I at first <laughs> did not. I I love the way it turned out. There were a few complaints uh, at the theater that people wanted to see you know these other winter soldiers these super winter soldiers they wanted to see them fight you know captain america and iron man and all these guys at which would have been a good fight i was i was in that camp i was right. yeah i was in that camp i kind of wanted in, to see that i'm in the other camp because honestly it didn't make it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if he hates the winter soldier that he would want more winter soldiers you know so that's one part yeah. of his motivation that is a little bit more realistic uh, the the best reveal though the best reveal in the whole movie was uh, Zemo and his voicemail because they made it seem like it was like a current voicemail mm-hmm. the first time you know they really tricked me on that one I really thought he had a family <laughs> somewhere and then hearing it a second time you know I didn't get to say out loud like oh my gosh that's a voicemail you know that's <laughs> he's listening to the same voicemail his family's dead. Right. You know, which um, I think I should have come to earlier. Uh, but that's that's not me. I don't I don't come to these conclusions early. Right. Right. And uh, but I appreciated his story because, uh, like I mentioned before, I think that the movie was just so small. You know, it was so intimate uh, that it wasn't about, you know, aliens. It wasn't about some, you know, invasion or some crazy sci fi although crazy sci-fi things were happening that wasn't the storyline you know the story is about people uh trying to work together uh unsuccessfully and that zemo you know he's nothing like the comic book zemo i assume because that guy wears a costume uh (laughs) but i'm glad that they didn't try to like turn him into a super soldier or do anything like crazy like that, that he was just a man and he was able to defeat the Avengers basically in a way, uh, just as a a man, he was able to exploit, uh, in a very like Lex Luthor type way. Yes. uh, Exploit these people just in, and his, he was so dark, like his character, um, was so sad and, and it makes a lot of sense though. It's difficult because, they showed all these scenes from past movies, all these callbacks where they were like, you know, you Avengers are not so good because remember what happened in New York? And it's like, well, they didn't cause it, you know? Right, right. That was the aliens. <laughs> they saved a bunch of people from aliens and you're mad? Right. <laughs> and then he's like, and what about Washington, D.C.? It's like, that, you know, that was Hydra. Like, so, so, like, you're blaming this on us? Like, they're, they're definitely like, I'll give them... I'll give them the, the what the Sokovia, the Sokovia, and the and the one that happened in the movie. Right, the inciting incident in this movie where Crossbones uh, blew himself up, and poor poor Scarlet Witch is just trying to save her buddy, and right, and uh, that didn't go so well. But no, so I'll give them those two. But I mean, aliens and a sleeper cell of Hydra. Mm-hmm. Infil- infiltrating and yeah that's blame shifting yeah it's blame shifting that's for sure <laughs> um okay well i mean any other things that you that you liked about the movie i mean i if i can if i can say one of them real quick giant man oh yeah did you see that coming what a good uh i didn't <laughs> uh i was really hoping to see that in ant-man uh because at the end of ant-man uh spoiler if you haven't seen it um 
but you should. Uh, he, at the end of the movie, he's really small, and then he, you know, changes it so that he gets back to normal size. Right. I was really expecting him to overshoot it and be giant, and that's how he would end the movie. Right. Saying, you know, well, we're really going to have to figure this one out. You right. Know, something comedic <laughs> like that. Uh, but no, I think it worked out perfectly. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what that means for Ant-Man's future, that now we already know he can do this. But uh, it was certainly a highlight for this movie. Yeah, it makes it makes you kind of wonder what, where does the Marvel Cinematic Universe go with some of these characters? Especially for, uh, out of all of them, because most of them you won't see, is that obviously they're all in these, in this prison, the raft. Is that what it's called? The yes. raft? You're, you got it. Um, so like a few of those characters, you're not going to see you're not going to see them until probably another Avengers movie, but Ant-Man, like what's that going to do for his storyline yeah, coming, Ant coming Man up and the wasp is coming out. Uh, I don't know sometime. Yeah. So, I mean like he's going to be a re- like kind of a rebel on the run because now he's escaped. Mm-hmm. He's escaped this, this super high tech floating underwater prison. Uh, I mean, yeah. Anyways, but no, that just, that just makes me think about what, What's what's it going to look like moving forward from this movie? Well, and I think it was a great idea putting Ant-Man in in particular. Uh, his comic relief uh, was priceless. I mean, I'm a big Anthony Mackie fan, and so it's, I'm a big fan of the Falcon. And uh, I don't think this movie would have lacked humor if they kept Ant-Man out of it. But I really appreciate that they brought him in. I really think that uh, he's just becoming you know, one of my favorite characters even though he's one of the ones I knew the least about when we, uh, you know, before they made a movie about him. Uh, and although the movie wasn't cheesy, you know, that's a lot of times the attempts at humor that Marvel makes come off as, you know, a little cheesy uh, or, you know, somebody's facing down literal death right. and making a joke about it. And uh, this one, I didn't necessarily feel that way. Yeah, no, I I really did like the uh, kind of relationship between the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Bucky. Mm-hmm. Yes, like though they're like, can you move the seat forward? Right, <laughs> you need to move the seat forward. It's like, oh, I hate you when they get both, right. when they're both yes. getting beat up by uh, Spider Man by Spider Man, and man, that was I just I just really appreciated that, uh, and then to see just how. Well, and it's interesting because they were both introduced in Winter Soldier. Right. We got a new good guy and a new bad guy, and now they're sort of uh, teaming up. You know, they're sort of ha- like having their own sort of buddy cop little mission going on. Right. And it was nice uh, to see that because it's not two characters in the same franchise. Uh, it's not simply two characters in the same franchise. They actually were introduced at the same time. The Falcon shows up basically just to fight uh, the Winter Soldier in, right. in some sense. And so now watching their characters come full circle. Uh, but I really think it was great uh, how they progressed the Winter Soldier because the previews don't show you anything about all the fights that Steve has to have with him. You know, and some of the best fight scenes in this movie, in particular, there was a scene with a helicopter and I was, uh, you know, on the on my toes the whole time. That was a lot of fun, a lot of really stressful fun watching the two of them fight, you know, watching them fight their way out of that German building and watching them run through the, you know, tunnel and 
uh, do all this. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It almost played out like a Batman movie uh, yeah. in that sense. And, and I did not expect it. You know, the previews did not tell me that was coming. Right. Oh. Uh, I appreciated the vision getting a love story. Oh yeah. That was kind of, it was, it was uh, silly uh, because, and the vision is not, you know, a slapstick comedian. He's not being funny on purpose, uh, but they really, you know, someone uh, over at Marvel was like, it's gotta be really weird to have this, you know, robot guy who can do, whatever he wants, you know, he right. can make himself uh, so dense that he has super strength and make himself so undense that he can walk through walls, that he can walk through walls. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, memo to self, figure out what the opposite of dense is and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, edit this to say that I didn't, I didn't quite like even, even now, like I still don't quite understand vision. Yeah. Like, he can walk through walls. He can. Mm-hmm. Well, that's essentially it's two sides of the same power. You know, all he does is control his density. So if he wants a super punch, he just makes his fist incredibly dense on the way there. If he wants to fly, all he has to do is make himself lighter than air. You know, so he, he just has weight powers, I guess, like heavy powers, less heavy powers. Right. Um, right. Right. So and that's what I, I really liked when the Scarlet Witch is fighting with him and she hijacks his powers uh, she makes him, you know, intangible mm-hmm. so that he can't hold on to Hawkeye. And then she makes him so heavy, he crashes down, you know, 10 stories or something along those lines. Right. So, okay, what any anything we disliked about the movie? Well, I had one big complaint. Uh, I wouldn't say big because it doesn't, you know, bother me that much. But I think that the, you know, camera work, kind of the cinematography, I'm not sure if we saw it in 2D. And maybe since it's a 3D movie, you know, there was some transition there. Uh, but I felt like the camera never really focused on uh, in several scenes. Uh, but that's really, you know, has nothing to do with the, the overall movie. It just kind of made my experience a little lackluster for the first, I don't know, 30 minutes. Uh, of course, I don't know if I got over it or if it got better or if I just got so interested in the movie that I stopped caring. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if you were to talk to me 50% or 75% of the way through the movie... Uh, which you shouldn't because we're in a theater. Uh, but if you were, I would have been like, this is a great movie, you know? So it didn't put me off too much. And if you want to open that Coke, I suggest that you do it. All this gone. Let's <laughs> put that down. 47 minutes and 55 seconds. Just cut that whole second. Um, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I agree with you. The camera work was kind of, kind of it kind of threw me off but it also threw me off in the winter soldier and given that this right and i i don't remember that maybe it's just nostalgia yes like i i definitely got used to the camera work as the movie went on uh but uh, the same thing happened to me in the winter soldier it just took me a few minutes to get used to it mm-hmm. uh because like the camera was just everywhere there i guess uh from what i have known about the movie is that they've kind of prided themselves on hand holding a lot of these shots and moving with it, I mean, and of course, I think that's going to help with making the scenes look a little right. bit more fast paced. Sure. And um, I think it had that effect. It yes. Made, it made it seem really chaotic, you know? Yes. But war is chaotic. Right. Um, I mean, the only, I man, there's a lot, there's not a lot mm-hmm. about this movie that I don't, that I didn't like. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, compared to, uh, I mean, even Winter Soldier, which who I, I will sing the praises of Captain America, Winter Soldier. Um, you know, just in general, I, I like it a lot. Uh, but uh, the ending scene, the whole movie is about them trying to stop these new helicarriers that are like computer controlled, uh, but they don't. And then they take them out. It, you know, all they have to do is crash through glass at the bottom and, you know, take out <laughs> computer parts. And so after watching the movie, I was like, that's the best movie I've ever seen. And probably about a week later, I thought, wow, the big bad guy was, you know, these flying helicarriers. But the only thing they did to protect the brain of the helicarrier was glass. And literally the Falcon uh, flies through the glass like he shatters it by himself. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy is a really weak Avenger, not even an Avenger at the time. And uh, he's able to take down one of these helicarriers. You know, that's somebody somewhere did not do their job. But this movie, I don't feel that way. Uh, there were no floating cities. Uh, you know, which I felt like was a little bit hard to take in Age of Ultron. You know, everything that happened, I think you know, is nothing worse than you would find in a Die Hard movie. Right. And it, although the last Die Hard movie is not very good, so <laughs> skip it. So the, one of the big things that I have uh, continued to hear about these movies, and maybe you can add something to this, but one of the things I continue to hear is how bad Marvel is about their villains. Like they're just throwaway villains. You've heard this, right? Right. And like everybody sings the praises of Tom Hiddleston as Loki, mm-hmm. right? They're saying, "Oh, he's the best. He's the best one." I was like, "Is he really?" I'm. So, I was starting to think this the other day, but I've been told by a lot of people is that Marvel is just bad at villains. It's like, did I adopt that because they said that, or did it come out of you? Or did it come out actually come out of me? And the more I thought about it, the more I come to think is like Tom Hiddleston's the only one who's just really returned. That's that's the big that's the big. That's kicker. true. I think Marvel does. Um, they either teleport them away or kill them. In Iron Man's case, right? I mean, that guy. What what's up with him killing this bad guy? Right. You know, there's a uh, a post online that has a picture of the Avengers and has a picture of the Justice League, I guess, and it says, you know, that people always say that Mar- uh, that DC is too dark, um, but they never kill their villains. Whereas Marvel, uh, they're happy go lucky serial killers. Because if you think about it, how many people has Iron Man killed? Like directly in his Iron Man costume? A lot. Right. Like just the body count for the first Iron Man movie, uh, is probably pretty high. Yeah. You know, although he's killing terrorists, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm pro terrorism. I'm just saying that when you compare that to Batman begins, where, you know, the big climax is him not saving a bad guy right. who's in trouble because of something he did. Right. You know, and you'd be like, hmm, which one of these is that dark? Yeah. But <laughs> but I do feel like uh, this movie in particular uh, is, you know, kind of blurring the line between dark and light because there are, you know, the bad guy is very serious. I mean, he tries to shoot himself and. Uh, yeah, that's pretty dark. And I'm thinking, like, at what age am I going to let my son see this movie? Because, you know, Captain America punching, fighting, throwing a shield, that's all well and good. Uh, But then you've got, you know, at the end, those super soldiers each have a bullet through their head. Right. And 
I'm fine with the ramifications. You know, this uh, this kid that died in Sokovia that sets off basically the whole storyline. I'm fine with my son knowing that, you know, people die in these accidents and whatnot. Right. Uh, but then it's a different story when you watch Bucky suffocate a woman because right. you think, um, hmm, was this movie funny? Yes. Was it dark? Yes. Yes. Because watching, um, you know, uh, Batman versus Superman or Beavis, as I like to call it, uh, people would say this movie is too dark. I wish, you know, I wish it was more like a Marvel movie where right. it was just fun. Um, but I don't think anyone got <laughs> strangled. I mean, sure, Batman kills a lot of people right. and he brands them. So I'm not trying to say Batman, <laughs> you know, he's he's so nice. He's so fun. Uh, but I am trying to say that there's a bit of a double standard there. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, you know, and obviously we're not, we're two regular guys when it comes to cr- uh, critiquing movies and talking about movies. We just like movies. Uh, but that's one thing I've never understood as well. I'll get back to my, my Marvel villain thing, but but I've never understood tonality. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are just like, oh, it needs to be all funny. Or nothing else. It needs to be all dark or no and no funny. Like it has it can't be it can't be both. And it's like, please tell me, like, that's not what a person thinks life is. Right. Like, is is your life always dark and brooding? No, I mean there's laughter in there, and it, that's mm-hmm. what people crit- criticize Marvel for a lot of the times is because oh, they just don't they can't have a serious bone for more than you know, more than 30 seconds. It's like, well, if this is who these people are. Sure. Like, and sometimes that's how you get through the the difficult situations. You know, finding out that your parents have been murdered, or finding out that you're going to die. You know, and all all of this make seems to me. It, you know, there would be the scene where the Falcon says to Captain America, "You know, the people who shoot at you usually wind up shooting at me." Right. And and he means that. You know, his life is in danger, but they're buddies, so he's going to put his life in danger and he doesn't know Bucky. He doesn't know Bucky from, well, actually he does know Bucky. He knows Bucky is a bad guy. <laughs> so and it, it's more than just, I'm putting my life on the line for a stranger because of Captain America, but I'm putting my life on the line for a bad guy because right. of Captain America. And I think, uh, but he jokes about it because that's kind of yeah. how you get through those things in for some people and, you know, myself included. Yeah. Uh, but back to your villain thing. Um, I, the critique that I hear a lot of times is that Marvel villains are always the opposite of the hero, you know, that uh, who fights the Hulk? Oh, another, you know, gamma radiated monster. Right. Who fights Iron Man? Oh, a guy in a robot suit. Right. Who fights, uh, you know, a Thor would be the exception, I guess, although it is God versus God. You know, right. They're two very different gods. So as far as power sets are concerned, uh, they're a little different. Right. And Iron Man 3 broke the mold because... His villain is, you know, a fire breathing. Yeah, I don't know what he was. Yeah, and you know, pe- people who are listening, like, feel free to disagree with me. Write us, write us at you know, cinema cinema dive show at gmail dot com. Tweet us on 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 Twitter. Uh, follow, you know, leave us a comment on Facebook about this. But I feel as if the only thing that makes a Marvel villain good quote-unquote good or a good villain in general for the mcu uh-huh. is the fact that they come back um uh, 
because that's I feel like that's the only reason uh, Tom Hiddleston or Loki rather has has gotten has been sung praises about is because he's been in like three of the movies, like he's sure. just come back. Like I thought he was done at the end of Thor, mm-hmm. like when Thor threw him off the Rainbow Road, <laughs> right? Right, For that Mario Kart reference. Yeah, <laughs> like I really thought he was done then, uh, but no, he comes back, mm-hmm. and it's like. Did they just well, want to rewrite that in because they like Tom Hiddleston a lot? Well, and that's what I was going to say. D- uh, do you think people like Tom Hiddleston because he comes back? Or do you think he comes back because people liked him? You know, maybe no other villain has been, has, I guess, tested well. Right. No other villain has been good enough that they wanted to bring him back. Because honestly, right. Sam Rockwell plays uh, a bad guy in Iron Man 2 named Justin Hammer, and he goes to jail at the end. Uh, all he really did was front, you know, the other bad guy fronted him cash. Uh, so he's, you know, a bad businessman, but, uh, I thought it would be nice if they brought him back and it never happened. And we're talking about, you know, what was that? Six years ago. Yeah. So six years ago, I'm a Sam Rockwell fan and I would love to see him back, but they, I don't think they're going to do it because I think in general people didn't like him. Right. But it's interesting to say there are a few minor villains that did return. There's a senator in Captain America Winter Soldier mm-hmm. who was also in Iron Man. Right. Crossbones is back in this movie. Oh, yeah. Crossbones is back in this movie. Yeah, but uh, he is not going to be in Captain America 4. That is, that's for sure. That is, that's true. Hopefully. Right. Uh, if he survived that, that's poor, poor on, on Marvel. But no, that I mean, that's just my, kind of been my beef uh, a little bit hearing that is because I felt like for a while I had just been told that there are no good MCU villains. But then I realized that the only one that's been touted as a good MCU villain has been Loki. And that's because he's come back for movies. Right. And I feel like does that what makes him that what makes him a good character in the eyes is just because we keep seeing him or like because I thought. I thought uh, Guy Pierce mm-hmm. was a good villain. Sure. I thought, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, gosh, why can't I think of him? Which movie? Uh, Winter Soldier. Um, well, are you thinking of the, what, the Winter Soldier? No, the the director. The Russo uh, brothers? No, the the, the director oh, I'm of sorry, Shield. The director of Shield. Yeah, it's it's, it's, on, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyways, we're gonna we're gonna edit this part out. <laughs> but I I thought I thought uh, I thought the villain in the Winter Soldier was good. Not the Winter Soldier himself, but the yeah, Hydra the, leader. Yeah, the guy behind him. Uh, I thought he was good. But that's really all I have. Like, yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately Ultron sort of fell flat. Thanos kind of hasn't really done anything wasted. I don't even want to. That's another story from another day that I could rant about for forever is Age of Ultron. How much that movie Uh, is upsetting to me. I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I liked that movie. mm -hmm. But man, is it it upsetting to me? (laughs) I do want to bring up. We've talked about doing uh, segments where we have a debate, you know, a friendly debate, of course, a very wholesome debate. debate over certain movies and we say you know whether it was good or whether it was bad and so one of us will take the stance that it's good one of us will take the stance that it's bad and we'll just hash it out you know in a a completely friendly way and i really think that iron man 2 should be one of them because i think uh it's 
uh, either one of two things. It's the Nicolas Cage of Iron Man movies, you know, because you can't figure <laughs> out like, is this like a really good, bad movie or is this a really bad, good movie? Right. You know, and there's clearly elements of both uh, traveling in the vicinity of Iron Man 2. Is, um, is it bad or good for you? Uh, I think it's, uh, I'm very ashamed to say this because I think nobody's going to tune into our podcast again, but I think it's good. I think I have a good case for why it's good, uh, but not one that I have time to share here if okay. we're going to talk about Captain America. Okay. Well, if that's even the case, I will take it as a bad movie. As a bad movie. I will, just, I will just let your negative opinions fly. Yes. I will let the negative opinions fly, but that's for next time. We'll, we'll work on that one coming up, coming up next time and we'll, we're kind of we'll probably get into it a little bit mm-hmm. but uh i think that there may be a villain problem which i don't think this movie had a villain problem i think that it did have a throwaway villain in in a sense because i'm not interested in where that villain's going from, right from here forth but i don't mind because uh i understand that his motivation is complete Yes, way. and that's and that is what I hear from a lot of people who said that they did not like about this movie. They said that it was a throwaway. It was a throwaway villain in the sense of that it didn't really matter. His his role didn't matter to the storyline, and I disagree. I disagree that his role didn't matter to the storyline. It's because he. I loved. I loved his line at the end of the movie where he where he said like, and he's and you have uh, Martin Freeman talking to him. In his in his yeah, cell, and he's the like the Hobbit himself, right? The Hobbit himself talking to talking to the villain, uh, General Zemo, or mm-hmm. I guess it's Zemo, uh, but him going, hey, and your plan didn't even work. He's like, didn't it? Didn't it? Right, and so <sighs> it it didn't work in the sense that no one died, but it'll continue working. You know, it's really the plot that keeps on plotting, and so yes, I, I don't foresee him coming back with some sort of, you know. Um, extremist powers, and I don't. I don't plan to right. see this Zemo uh, fella. I don't plan to see him in Infinity War. Right, did his damage though. Right, he definitely did his damage. And I think they're going to be referencing it for a while. Oh yeah, know? I bet. But but really, he was more representative. You know, it's not it's not so much him. It's not like he's a crazy person. Although I wouldn't classify him as sane. But he represents you know the people left behind. Right, the people, the collateral damage for what the Avengers have been doing. Right, right, right. And so I think that it was just great. The character development for uh, everyone was just fantastic. Um, The Scarlet Witches, uh, you know, she gets her screen time. And uh, the Black Widow has really grown on me. When she was introduced in Iron Man 2, I don't know why we keep talking about it. Uh, (laughs) When she was introduced, I was not a big fan. I thought that she was just a hypersexualized, you know, uh, overpowered vixen, you know, that they they put in there for basically just to set up Avengers. They want her to be an Avengers and they didn't want to introduce her then. So they said, well, why don't we try to, you know, shoehorn her into this other movie? But since then, we've had Avengers We've had Captain America Winter Soldier, where we got to see, you know, another side of her. And then Age of Ultron, I already feel like, I didn't realize it at the time, but I already feel like I, I liked her more as a character when that movie started. So right now, seeing uh, her come full circle, you know, uh, siding with Iron Man initially, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and showing her true colors, and uh, it was uh, it was a romp. 
you know, and everybody's going somewhere with the exception of Hawkeye. I really didn't see uh, him. I wouldn't have expected to see him in the movie, although I knew he was based on the trailer. Yeah, I know. I know that they're playing this big brother sister role with with uh, Steve Rogers and and Black Widow, Captain America, Black Widow. But like part of me just kind of does want to see them have an actual relationship because they're two completely polar opposite people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I just, I think it would be cool to see that, but I know from the comics, they, I guess that's not the case or it's just not going to happen like that. Well, um, in the Black Widow, she's, she's with the Hulk now, unofficially. That, that's unofficially. Yes. Let me see. Uh, I do want to talk about, uh, and this is kind of like a third dimension, uh, to the movie because everyone in the theater, when Spider-Man came on, like screamed and well, not, I don't want to say scream. <laughs> they applauded, uh, both when they introduced Peter Parker and when they introduced Spider-Man in his suit. Uh, and I think that it's a little overstated, you know. First of all, I, most of us knew based on a preview that Spider-Man was going to be in the movie. I have to admit that I forgot right. because the movie was that immersive for me. Right. That I really forgot. That whole airport scene, uh, I had completely forgotten by that point that it was even coming to that. Right. Uh, so... I had a moment of realization when I remembered Spider-Man was going to be in the movie, but that doesn't, you know, necessitate sort of cheering just for the character because I'm a fan of the character and you know what? And I like Spider-Man, you know, I like, I just empirically like Spider-Man more than most of these other characters, but I have yet to see Marvel Spider-Man. You know, this was my first introduction and I couldn't hear some of his lines because people were so happy to see him. People were shouting so much. Uh, Although he's funny, you know, I'm, I'm expecting good things from it. I definitely could have liked the movie just as much without him. Uh, I think. Sure. I, yeah, I, I definitely think um, it's not that he didn't add anything to it, but it's like if if the deal with Sony and Marvel never worked out, I think it would have been fine. I think uh, the Civil War would have lasted with the Black Panther, Ant-Man. Uh, I think it would have I think it would have been a good movie without without that. Uh those things it's not not saying that he was shoehorned in maybe the teams would have been uneven that's the worst part but i guess they could have left hawkeye uh on his ranch on his ranch right that would have been fine too right but no that's i mean yeah i like i liked spider-man okay uh he was good i thought i thought he was great i i kind of miss andrew garfield like unpopular opinion i guess like i I could see that but i'm excited about new kid and like what's what he's gonna do because I really don't think this was enough. This was like a teaser for us. Right. And this is not a whole trailer for what his Spider-Man is going to be like. Right. But I think the overall themes of the movie, you know, there was there was government overreach. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was kind of accountability right. uh, being a major theme in the movie. Uh, you know, the role of the government. But mostly the movie was about compromise. And I really love the theme of uh, Steve and the words that... Uh, Peggy Carter supposedly said that, you know, when uh, compromise when you can and when you can't, don't love that, you know, that, you know, you put your feet down and you say no. Uh, And especially, you know, these days we're being asked to compromise more than more than ever. Right. Uh, And just to sort of let things happen. It is a great message to hear uh, that that's not what we ought to do. Right. No, I love that. that you, that's a very good point. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up. And you know, just one more thing about Spider Man. 
the suit. I did not like it. Uh-huh. Well, it was it was it was the CGI that. Yeah, there's a capital C in that GI. You know, <laughs> I I would agree. I I loved his lines. Yeah, but no. To get back to your your point again, I know we're jumping back and forth a lot, but uh, but no, I thought I thought that was a really nice theme about conviction. Right. To I see think, yeah. to see you st- sticking to your convictions throughout this, and that uh, through it all, you had Steve who did stick to his conviction the whole time, and you had all these other people who were kind of wish wavering, w- wavering wishy washy. But they all looked in the end. They're all looking to Steve. They're all looking back at Steve to to kind of lead them in a way. And he even gives that. He kind of gives that message to Tony in the end. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'll be there for you. Like we fought, uh, but I'm, I will still, I will still be there for you." Wow, that's true. That's a really good uh, example of friendship. Yeah, I think another theme of the movie was uh, forgiveness. Oh yeah, because. Uh, in a way, it all comes down to Tony's inability to forgive. Right. Uh, Tony, the uber compromiser, you know, that we've seen. Uh, he, you know, especially at the end, is trying to hold Bucky accountable for things that he ought not be held accountable for, in a sense. Uh, I'm not sure how he would try him in, right. in reality, uh, but thankfully he doesn't exist. Uh, so <laughs> we don't have to worry about that conundrum. Um, but Cap forgives him. In in a way, he forgives him for every murder, you know, for every problem that he's caused. Uh, for the entire last movie, Captain America: Winter Soldier, he forgives him, and that's really powerful. You know, right. he he may not have grounds for forgiving him, in you know, in a, again in a realistic sense, but I still appreciate that being shown in film. You know, I think that we're going to um, see more relationships like theirs uh, in the years to come in film they're going to show more things like this because i think the audience is accepting right that their that their friendship is stronger than brainwashing their friendship is stronger than you know murder right and i appreciate that they don't have to be um you know it didn't have to be about romance in fact this is probably the right. least romantic marvel movie that i've seen right um because oh well i guess i take that back because Cap got a little bit of romance in there, but yeah, he got that one kiss, and then man, that was a perfect scene when he looked back at the car, and then mm-hmm. and then there. Sam and and uh, Bucky were just like mm-hmm. <laughs> they were his boys. I, I yeah. love that a lot. And uh, the only thing I think was missing from this movie that would have improved it a little is if they had had a cameo with Michael Pena. Oh man, that, that would have been great. That is so true. My gosh, that would have been so funny. Yeah, I miss Michael Pena. Um, but no, hey, we're gonna cut it. And uh, but hey, before we go, uh, there's just a couple things left. Like once again, this this segment we're gonna do where we debate each other. Uh, we're going to uh, be cordial, of course. We may get a little heated up, but we're gonna title it, you know, debate hall for this. It's gonna be more structured. It'll be kind of like I'll have two three minutes. Uh, to give a defense to oh, my of an opening statement, he'll get his opening defense for whatever his position is, and then we'll cross examine each other. Like we'll really go like, why did you why did you think that? Really try to poke poke holes in in these arguments. But that's uh, if you have a feud, 
if you have any sort of big debate, Batman, Batman and Robin, that's a big one, right? Jurassic World, this is, is, are these good, bad movies? Uh, email us. Uh, send us a send us an email at cinemadiveshow at gmail.com. Tweet us at cinemadive or message us on Facebook at cinemadive. Um, but hey, uh, thank you for for listening. Uh, thank you. And I want to give a shout out to to my wife, uh, Courtney, uh, to um, to my best bud over here, Scotty. Um, do you want to give a shout out to? I'd like to give a shout out to my wife because I feel pressured. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she's being very patient and uh, allowing me to be a part of this uh, venture. And I would also like to uh, say thank you to Gabriel for putting this all together. Uh, you know, his uh, brainchild, his vision and uh, his hard work, because I don't know how to work any of this. <laughs> and thank, and finally, a big thank you to uh, everybody who came out to to the theater with us. Uh, let's, I mean, just to name a few, shout out to y'all, uh, Brian, Ben, uh, Ben Wallace, uh, uh, Jeff Metters, uh, Dale and Christina Guger, Dale and Christina Guger, uh, Zane and Katie Degner. Yeah, Zane and Katie Degner, Casey and her husband. I can't remember his name. I think it's Javier. She can she can tell me that. Um, Chris Merrick, what up? Chris Merrick, <laughs> yes sir. Uh, man, who else was there? Gail, Gail, thank you for coming. Thank you for being excited about this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and a special message to that guy whose phone went off and played "You Got a Friend in Me" in the middle of Captain America: Civil War. Oh man, um, we had to sit through two uh, two <laughs> videos telling us to turn our phones off. Uh, so <laughs> you really need to like step it up there. Yeah. I hope, I hope you do and don't hear this. Uh, well, thank you all again for, uh, for listening. Uh, once again, my name is Gabriel and my name is Scotty. We'll see y'all. Bye.